You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hello, and thank you for joining us for a mindful moment. There's never been a better time to build your mindfulness skills. Mindfulness not only improves your mental, emotional, and physical well-being, but provides a foundation for remaining calm during stressful challenges and events. Through mindful thoughts and actions, we can do more than just survive life's challenges. We can continue to thrive. The key to becoming more mindful is simply practice. We hope this podcast will provide you with knowledge, inspiration, and motivation. Working together, we can learn and grow from any experience. So, let's get started. Hi, I'm Teresa McKee, CEO of Work to Live, and I'm here today with the Work to Live staff, Melissa Sims, our social media director, Vanessa Barajas, our program coordinator, and Jesse Brennan, our program manager. We just thought we'd continue the conversation that we started last week in the podcast, which is really about the spreading of the pandemic fatigue now, or quarantine fatigue. We're moving into our eighth month of this, and What's getting to most people is, of course, I'm not talking about the people who have the virus or catch the virus, but for the vast majority of people, there's more and more resistance to being restricted or sitting at home and depression's going up, suicide's going up. There's all these psychological issues that we're dealing with that we've never dealt with before. So we thought we'd talk about it since, again, we're, we're a nice sort of cross-section of the population and demographics to see how we're coping, how it's going, and maybe come up with some ideas of what we can do to help us get through another seven or eight months of this. So anybody want to start? How are you feeling? I'm feeling okay. You know, I, I've been feeling okay from the beginning, just like, but just, just okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm having moments now where I'm like, I need something to do, but I'm, and I'm someone who's normally like pretty satisfied not having anything to do. So it's it's a change for me. I'm not normally someone that needs to be like out and about, but I'm starting to feel those urges which are not completely natural to me. Yeah, I'm feeling fine. I think only because I have the distraction of children. I think if I didn't have that going on, that I would probably be losing my mind, but just trying to keep their online school and everything kind of contained and in order. And then, you know, we're still busy at work to live. So that's a good distraction as well. I feel okay right now though, but I know a lot of people are not. I know for me, I hardly ever went out because of school and classes. So like at the beginning, I was fine because we had our online classes, but summer was hard. I had more time. I didn't know what to do with it. But now I'm getting back into that routine because classes have started. I'm also in my internship and I'm working. 
So more distractions. Yeah, I, I've never had so many ups and downs as I have had during this period. And I was thinking about, I can't remember now which of our guests on the podcast said this, but I made some comment about that time I was struggling with boredom. And she had said, well, boredom's not a bad thing. And I had to really think about that. It got me to thinking of a couple of things that we'll talk about, but boredom is a bad thing for me. So I don't think there's anything wrong with having downtime or relaxing. Like if that's your intention, I think that's wonderful. But boredom for me is where I have the energy to do something or to take some action. And I either can't think of what action to take, or I can't take whatever action it is that I want to take. So I'm sitting with this energy that starts then my mind racing because I need to do something and I can't figure out what to do. For me, that's boredom. And I find it quite frustrating. And we're so lucky that work to live has been busy this whole time, but that's all I'm doing most of the time is working and it's getting to me. It's getting boring for me. And my work has never been boring, but it's just because it's day after day, the monotony, seven days of the week blurring together. So I did just a few weeks ago, start getting really strict with myself about absolutely no work on the weekends, at least, which means I can't come in this room. It's that big of a draw. You know, it's like, I have nothing else to do. Why not check my email? So I shut the door and I don't come in here now. Melissa, what you said is very interesting to me because I think if I had something, anything to take care of or to do besides work, I would be faring better. But what happens is I'm like sitting around for days, nothing to do, only talking to people on Zoom. There's nothing really to talk about socially or personally because no one's doing anything. <laughs> I want to say our staff meetings are the highlight of my you know, week, three days, because at least we have a conversation. But yeah. in general, <laughs> there's nothing happening. We're not having enough fun. So I think that's probably a good area to go into if you have any thoughts about that. Like, are you having any fun or how are you creating fun or you know, what does that mean to you? I'm not having a ton of fun. I feel like I'm having a lot of responsible adult things going on in my life, but I'm not really having a lot of fun. And I tried to think about, well, what was I doing before the pandemic for fun? It's still stuff I can do, really. So I just need to get back into that stuff. But I think I got so distracted with, oh my gosh, this is what's going on. This is what I have to take care of now. You know, the kids and their schedule and my schedule and the dog, and I can't go anywhere and I have to online shop for everything. You know, it kind of distracts you for a little while yeah. until you can start getting back into those things. So I decided to do a vegetable garden because I didn't want to go to the grocery store. That was the last thing I wanted to do. And buying online or vegetables online is it's a scary thing because <laughs> you're getting stuff that you would never pick at the grocery store. So I decided, okay, well, I'm just going to try my own. It actually really keeps me occupied because I go out every day and I check on my vegetables. I can clean up the little area where the vegetables are. And for even people that don't have the space for the vegetables, they do have vertical gardens. You can do that. Uh, They have hydroponic lights and stuff that you can do that indoors or even on a patio. So you really don't need a yard to do it. And it kind of does feel good because you're taking care of something like you said, and it's actually helping you in turn. So you know, I did everything. I bought the bread maker. That that was a bomb. Everybody knows. And I planted a garden. It's dead. That's kind of where I started getting this, having this issue of why can't I have fun? And I realized just recently I'm, I'm calling it the wrong thing. Um, fun for, fun for me means excitement. That's really yeah. my, the definition in my head. So it's, Exploring new places, it's going on a roller coaster. It's it really is everything I tried to think of that I call fun are things I cannot do now. So I realized 
I enjoy gardening, but I don't think of it as fun. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I need to focus on what I can enjoy. And that just started to open it back up tremendously for me in the last like week and a half. I want to hear first from Vanessa and Jesse about their fun escapades. So <laughs> Jesse, just look on your face as you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I started a garden as well. I started a vegetable garden and I had a vegetable garden last year and I loved it. And this year it just didn't hit the same way. I stopped weeding it. And I was just, I was really just like looking for what can the garden give me and not giving back to it. So I stopped taking care of it. And then eventually all the plants stopped producing vegetables. And I started holding it against the garden that I had to take care of it. Like that's, <laughs> and, and I, I agree with you that gardening is fun, but sometimes like the way that I want to have fun is not to fulfill another responsibility. Like sometimes it feels fun. Sometimes it feels just like another responsibility that I have to like complete. And I just stopped doing it if I wasn't in the mood and I found myself not being in the mood. So I tore them all out this weekend. I think for me, like true fun is just like being like silly, just like being stupid and silly. I mean, I don't feel like that all the time, but if I get in a mood, I just have to goof around. I've been dancing a lot too, just like putting on music and dancing around my house and it's just kind of it helps to get that like sense of levity I agree with that and it's funny the only other thing for me that I came up with that wasn't external to do that I call fun is when I really laugh hard with people Mm -hmm. and that's largely missing except for us laughing at each other (laughs) but but other than that I'm not laughing with anybody you know, I used to laugh until, until I cried, you know, if you go out with friends or go out. Melissa and I have just like had everybody in a restaurant staring at us before because we're laughing till we're crying. And I don't know if it's because there's not a lot funny going on in the world these days. I don't think it's that. I think it's that personal connection. So it's, it's harder yeah. to be funny mm-hmm. online. Yeah. See, with my kids, that's all we do is be goofy. Yeah. So that's super helpful. I'm not recommending you go have children. I'm just saying it is helpful. <laughs> pretty high price to pay to have a little fun. (laughs) How about you, Vanessa? Well, something that I found fun will maybe not be fun to other people was exercising. I know like growing up for me, like physical activity, I did it every day. Like it was nonstop for me. During the summer, I started getting back into it because I had more time. So what I did was I just exercised in my room just remembering like the training that I had from cross country and track, like implemented that, like just in my room, these exercises that you could do just by in one position, it could be like body resistant exercises, It just really helped me even mentally too. I guess like those, those hit exercises too. I tried, um, I know Jesse tried that and just like to spice things up, I would go on YouTube and watch videos that, I had never seen before. So that would be something new for me to do. One of the things that I did really early in the pandemic for enjoyment, I'm not going to call it fun, but for enjoyment was the kiddie pool. I've used it a lot, but the last couple of weeks I've stopped using it. It got too hot here and then I've been too busy, but that is something that I ended up enjoying. So outside I set up a TV and the kiddie pool so I could feel like I was kind of not on a retreat maybe, but it was still enjoyable. So the more I thought about it, one of my biggest problems was not understanding what my idea of fun was. I found lots of things that I've enjoyed. I did not enjoy bread making. I did not enjoy, <laughs> not enjoy the gardening. I think the gardening, I'm, I'm with Jesse. Like I have so many responsibilities 
Yeah. It felt like a responsibility. And I did keep working at it and they died anyway. <laughs> so then it was, it was like a double, <laughs> doubly unfun. It was like, what is wrong with this? Well, I did my latest project because I do like projects and I, you know, I like to stay busy, but redecorating the living room when I thought about it and each thing I've really been trying to be mindful about it. Like, what is it I'm lacking? You know, what, what's that need before I start something? The, the latest is this redecorating the living room. And it's really interesting because the, one of the things I've tried to pay attention to is what are we learning from this, either about ourselves or about other people or about society or something like that? Because we're, again, we're in such a unique position and no one's ever done this before. So, you know, I keep trying to guess like, what's it going to be like afterwards? And it's really based on what we learn. And one of the things that I really recognized, which of course makes sense with my career is I love changing things. Like I love changing things through this whole thing. I've been trying to kind of go through the house and the yard and think, okay, if this is my whole kingdom now, I can't go anywhere else. What's useful? What's enjoyable? What's pleasant? What's not? That's a form of fun now. Like I'm realizing, you know, it doesn't have to be exciting. It can just be really yeah. enjoyable. And for people out there that are listening that maybe, maybe we can't afford to redo our living room or buy new furniture. Paint is actually very inexpensive. Yeah. I mean, you can buy a gallon of paint for $25. And I love it because it changes an entire room. And I'm just like you, where I love changing things. I'm constantly rearranging furniture, trying to make it look different. And it does help with the pandemic fatigue where you feel like you're in a new space. The more you kind of move things around and just shift it, it might feel better and change that energy too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was going to suggest that too. If, if Even if you don't have that 25 bucks you want to spend on paint, moving your furniture around feels different. Yeah. And I was laughing when you were talking about how much you like changed Teresa because we used to work out of Teresa's home office. I'm telling you, twice a month I would come in and all of the furniture would be moved around and <laughs> I think I told Vanessa like maybe on her first day she showed up and Teresa had just moved the furniture and Teresa was like oh yeah I had to move it around because this this, and this and you know there's always like a logical reason for why and Teresa walked out of the office I was like gosh she moves the furniture around a lot, so just get used to it. Don't get used to this setup. Don't get comfortable. Imagine my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> it was I'd come home from school and all the furniture's on the front lawn. Like, mom, what are you doing? Changing things. <laughs> Mixing things up. But it is fun, and it feels you know it gives it like a new energy. I was interested to see like a lot of protests I heard broke out in Europe mm -hmm. over the last couple of days, because now that their numbers are spiking and I don't even know, because we've never really here come completely out of the shutdown. You know, we've opened up a little bit, but we've, we haven't been set free. Right. <laughs> and I was thinking about, you know, how would that feel if you'd been completely free and open and able to go back to normal life and you know what it feels like to be shut down? And for them to then say, oh, sorry, you got to go back. That would be hard, I think, for the people. Because for the most part, the four of us have all like handled it pretty well and been like, you know, well, whatever, we'll do what we have to. And, and none of us were going out. We weren't really busy bodies or like out on the town beforehand. But I have some friends who are very outgoing, like loved going to bars and just like being out in the city with other people. 
and they had a really hard time when it all happened. So I'm, I'm imagining that if you have had a really hard time being in seclusion this whole time, then yes, to be like released back into the world with total freedom and then to be pulled back in, I think would be really hard for yeah a lot of those people. I think especially for people who have mental health issues, I don't think it would be wise. You know what I mean? I think that right. the, there's obviously there's still not enough mental health support out there available to people. And so for people that are suffering to come out of that state of suffering and then to be shut right back into it, I think would just be disastrous. I think it'd yeah. be hard. And I think it, I also agree with Jesse. A lot of it's um, younger people that that is their life mm-hmm. is being out socializing all the time. I mean, we'll have to just wait and see what happens, but I think there's some really long-term ramifications to it. And people have got to start coming up with coping strategies or solutions, even permanent solutions. What about you, Vanessa? You think it'd be harder or easier? I think it'd be harder for young people because even right now, I see them, they're going out and they're posting these pictures with their friends. And it's just hard, especially for me to see because I've been at home, I've been, you know, doing my part. So for them to give them their freedom and then like take it away, I couldn't even imagine. I think it's it's the mental state too, is a lot of people are not seeing this as they're just waiting for stuff to get back to normal. Well, I don't know if there really is going to be a normal again. And I think when that realization sets in that we're going to have another wave of people that are just not going to be able to handle it. Even if it's not mindfulness, if it's, you know, exercising or if it's therapy or whatever, whatever the tools are that you use, I don't know how many people there are out there that don't have any tools. And so then you're just sort of having to go day by day. It has to be frustrating because I don't know how you process the emotions that are coming out. I've been shocked at myself, like split personality. I get up one day, I'm like, yeah, I got all this stuff to do and I'm happy and hyper and whatever. And then the next day I get up, I'm like, whatever. I mean, it's, com- it's completely up and down. So for me, it's interesting because like I said, I have a family at home and so I have a lot of distraction. I cannot imagine those of you that are out there that are you live in an apartment where you don't have a yard space where you can go outside and enjoy your own space or single people that are living alone. I mean, I think those are the people that really need to be reached out to right now. That's, I don't know how I would be able to handle that because if I was all alone, I would probably be losing my mind and not in a funny way. I think the other thing too, is that we've never, I can't think of another time, unless you go all the way back to like the Great Depression or World War II or something where people had to sacrifice over a long period of time. There have been times when there's some kind of an event and we have to sacrifice for three days or yeah. a couple of weeks and then everything goes right back or not, not after 9-11, things didn't go right back to normal. Certain things changed permanently like they will with this, but that we didn't have to sacrifice for any length of time. And I think that we're not conditioned to do that in some ways. We're mm-hmm. such an instant gratification society and we're, in you know, many ways we've had it pretty easy. So the idea of even sacrificing, I think some people resist that whole concept. Like why, why do I have to sacrifice anything on top of being secluded or lonely or suffering with, you know, badness or depression? There's also a little bit of anger constantly boiling there of like, why is this happening? 
And why do I have to sacrifice? And why can't things just go back to normal? And that just aggravates it worse because Mm -hmm. you're adding more negative emotions to something you're already not handling well. Vanessa, are you going anywhere? Um, no, no, actually. I mean, I when I do feel like I need to go out, um, I go like to the grocery store. I don't know. I go for a walk around my neighborhood. Yeah. That's what has really been helping me actually is walking around. And I know like hiking, I like I really enjoyed hiking, but then the when at the beginning when the trails started closing and then there was all these people who were going to the trails. I'm like, oh, oh gosh, well, I feel like so I can't busy. do that now. We're not here alone. And that's one of the hardest things. I think that maybe brings up the final thing I'd like to touch on, which is how we shift our thinking. Because I think what most of us are trying to do with mixed results is take whatever we did pre-pandemic and just move it online but the Mm -hmm. same way it was Mm pre-pandemic. And then because it doesn't feel the same, we're like, well, that's not fun or that's not enjoyable or whatever. Shopping is going to be different. Socializing is going to be different. Learning is going to be different. And it's almost like we need to step back maybe and get the creative juices flowing again because it's like reinventing a lot of aspects of life. I think that we would all benefit from giving up hope that things will go back to normal. If we're thinking like, oh, six months time, a year's time, it's going to go back to normal, then why would I put all this effort into doing new things or like changing the way that I do the old things because things are going to go back to normal? And I think it's, you know, maybe it will go back to normal, but I, I don't think that holding out hope and just waiting is helping anyone. I think it's causing a lot of people a lot of suffering. Yeah, everyone's waiting to live their lives and it's like... Time is passing. This is your life right now. You need to like do things that make you feel like you're alive now instead of waiting to feel alive in a year. Mm -hmm. The most important message I would say is to keep in mind, you have to take baby steps. I feel like you need a big trampoline in your backyard. (laughs) Just really get those those thrills. (laughs) That might be a good idea, Jesse. I was just thinking, what do you call those things that you hang on to through the jungle? You know, maybe I could set up one of those. Zip line. Oh, yeah, zip line from like the front yard room. to the back. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut out a cardboard box. I'm going to slide down my stairs. I'm going to walk back up. I'm going to slide back down. Yeah. I don't know. Old, it's a big old day. Old school thrill seeking. <laughs> well, amazingly enough, people kept themselves entertained for a long time. Yeah, we got to go back to basics, right? Um, I do think we've done pretty well. And I do like what we did for the a month, which was hold each other accountable to starting to create good habits. So I would highly encourage that for anybody who it's hard to change a habit. And if you're alone, nobody really? even knows what you're doing, right? Yeah. So really easy to go, I'll start tomorrow. Nah, who cares today? So, you know, create a little accountability group, um, decide the good habits you want. You don't have to be, have the same ones, but it's just where you share the results. Did you do it today? Did you do it today? Did you do it today? So then when you're sharing that with someone else, it helps motivate you to do it. So mm. whether it's changing your eating habits, you know, uh, Jesse and I had a little problem making our beds. So we had that one thrown in there, but it does motivate you. It's hard to get motivated for some of these things now. So if you have an accountability buddy or a group, then at least, you know, you have to answer to someone. It doesn't have to be rocket science. It doesn't have to be anything hard. I think the important thing is, especially from a mindfulness perspective, is just we need to all try not to judge ourselves, that we are going through something. It is uncomfortable. 
when we mess up or we do something that we, you know, think, oh, why did I do that? Or if we don't make our bed one day, you know, try not to beat yourself up about it because we're doing pretty good to still be hanging in there and working and trying to help other people get through it and not lose our own sanity and (laughs) all that good stuff. All right. Well, thank you as always for all of your wisdom and insights and thank you to our listeners and we will be back in some form next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Life offers too many rich opportunities to just survive it, even during challenging times. Our intention is to support you in thriving through a life of purpose and meaning. We encourage you to meditate every day, be mindful in your daily activities, and please stay safe and be well. Until next time, please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee wherever you get your favorite podcasts and rate this podcast so that others can find us. Follow us on social media at Work to Live. A Mindful Moment is written and hosted by Teresa McKee. The Spanish version is translated and recorded by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll by Josh Kirsch, Media Right Productions. Breathwork music, Angel's Dream by Akash Gandhi. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions. Thank you for tuning in.